Audioversity, the voice of Reichman University. Imagine, you've just lost a parent. Until recently, this would have been it. No more communication, no more calls in the middle of the night when you needed to hear some reassuring words. But what if I told you that none of this has to end? Recent technological advancements allow people to record their life stories and share them with their loved ones after they've passed away through AI-based apps. The avatars may even share jokes, favorite sayings, or pieces of advice with family members. Other technologies are looking to take apps like this one step further and create mind-uploading devices. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Mind-uploading? Sounds like something out of a Black Mirror episode. But this technology, which some experts say is only a few decades away, will allow users to not only preserve their mind by uploading memories, thoughts, and ideas, but actually extend their lives. My name is Guy Halevi, and on today's episode of the ZMI podcast, we'll be talking about neurotechnology. With us is Adi Diamant, Partner Director of Advanced Technology Labs at Microsoft Israel, and we'll be speaking about their important work in the fields of responsible AI, and what all this has to do with mind uploading. All right, Adi Diamant, welcome to the ZMI podcast. Very excited to have you here with us today. Thank you. So for our listeners who might not know yet, uh, you're the director of Microsoft's Advanced Technology Labs in Israel, uh, which means you develop and bring new innovative technologies into Microsoft's devices, which is great because it's exactly what we're going to speak about today. Uh, but it doesn't stop there, right? You also have an executive MBA from Manchester University. Mm-hmm. Uh, you held positions in R&D, business development, strategy, um, different fields too, right? You have a, you've been in software and internet and communication. Seems like you've done it all. Yeah, actually in Microsoft it's called a, a multidisciplinary manager when you come from many backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of advantage when you deal with innovation because my labs is actually end-to-end innovation. So we can do the technical part, the PM part, and also the business part uh, when we consider if something is uh, worth developing or not. So one of these things that you're, that you're figuring out if it's worth developing is AI, right? You're working a lot in the fields of artificial intelligence. Yeah, actually the, the labs itself, the it's called the Charter of the Labs, is, uh, is focused on AI in uh, cognition services. Cognition is everything that has something to do with uh, a voice, speech, languages, computer vision, decision AI, etc. So uh, these days everything is based on uh, deep learning, machine learning, neural networks, AI in general, so yeah. Exactly, it's a huge field and it seems like everybody's in this race to create the best AI, the best artificial intelligence. But at the same time, people are still scared of it. You know, they, they think it might develop into something that we can't control. Uh, but Microsoft is creating responsible AI, right? That's, that's kind of the field that you're going into. Um, can you tell us a bit about uh, what that is or why do you think people are still scared of this technology? Yeah, actually, responsible AI is kind of a layer above uh, everything we do. Uh, because in general, you know, people, m- many people really talk about AI, but very few people are really understand what AI is all about. And for, uh, for many of us, AI is kind of a black box. And when something wrong happens or something bad happens, uh, people look at AI and say, hey, I don't really understand how this works. It's, it's kind of a black box that doesn't make any deterministic decision. It, it makes a decision, nobody knows how. Uh, it's very hard to explain. 
So it's very hard for people to predict uh, what AI is going to do. And it's scary. It's scary because if, uh, if you're not aware and responsible enough to how you develop AI systems or how you use AI systems, uh, it may end with uh, some serious damages, uh, physical damages, uh, financial damages, uh, etc. And the responsible AI by Microsoft actually is a kind of combining legal, ethics, and technology uh, to say, hey, don't be afraid from AI. We are going to make it trustable. We are going to make it, uh, we, are, we are going to be responsible for this AI and make it as secure as possible, keep your privacy transparent as possible, which means that we will be able to explain how we make the decision or how the algorithm is make, make the decision. Uh, and we are accountable for everything we do. So as, as a user, uh, don't be afraid from AI uh, and, and look for a better future uh, when it comes with responsible AI. Uh, definitely reassuring to hear. When you speak about uh, making it secure, making it transparent, making it so you can't have any breaches of privacy, uh, what systems do you have in place uh, today uh, to make sure to guarantee that these uh, things occur? Actually, we uh, incorporate all of Azure modules and everything we do in Microsoft. Uh, uh, we do have the, one of the best security uh, in the market. So when it comes to database, you know, for machine learning or AI, you need to train the system. And for training the system, you must have data sets for training and testing. So it's all about uh, the policies and the, and the actual security, how we build this data set, how we uh, store all this data set. So as everything is based on, on components, modules, and services we, uh, we do have in Microsoft. Uh, by the way, uh, we believe that uh, uh, we call it first party equals third party. Any tool we are using internally within Microsoft, we offer to, to our developers, third party developers as well. Uh, so for security, this is exactly how we store everything, how we define everything, how we document everything. Uh, fairness, we, are, we try to be transparent and public as possible. Uh, so in the future, you'll see more and more publication by Microsoft saying, hey, this service, this is how we build it, this is the accuracy, this is the fairness ratio, uh, this is how we keep your privacy, this is the, the data we are using, this is the data we are not using, etc. So it's, it's all about transparency to the user. So he will be able to judge if we keep the privacy or not. So once we establish that this technology is safe, it's secure, there's no hacking of privacy, um, there's transparency on how we use the, the user's data, how do we take this technology, the safe technology, and apply it to, to, to do the things that Microsoft wants to do? What are the current applications of artificial intelligence or maybe other technologies in similar fields like a brain-computer interface, which is another buzzword we're hearing around the industry a lot? AI is, actually AI today is everywhere, okay? It's, uh, in, in my field in cognitive services, we use AI to uh, better recognize uh, speech and active speakers and faces and, uh, and uh, multi-language uh, translation, etc. We use AI in general for uh, better uh, customer relationship management like dynamics uh, or summarize your meetings uh, or even help you to search more efficiently with your meetings. So AI is, is all around. Uh, and the question is always, is it fair enough? So at least in cognitive services, we started with uh, what is called the fairness measurement. I'll give you an example. Uh, 
when it comes to face recognition, so our ethic uh, department came with a scale of five different skin tones from white to black. Uh, they decided that uh, this scale of five different uh, skin tones are enough for testing. And we need to make sure that uh, we recognize uh, the accuracy, we recognize faces uh, is almost equal for each one of these uh, fifths, uh, uh, five different uh, skin tones. And, and if not, we need to retrain the system and add some, uh, some more data uh, to support it equally. Because we believe that uh, this is one of the fairness uh, measurements. Uh, AI must be fair enough to all people, especially when it comes later to uh, you don't want to offend people on one side and other services like, I don't know, enable you uh, to get a loan, which is based on uh, your voice signature, maybe your face and, uh, and other data. You must be fair to all people, otherwise you may block some user from getting uh, uh, the loan or a service uh, unfairly. So the combination of, of fairness and uh, inclusiveness uh, by Microsoft, which means that AI is not only for a specific user, AI should mm -hmm. be used by anyone. Uh, these are the two parameters we are now working hard to uh, measure and, uh, uh, and adapt. All right, I can only guess that these two parameters um, become infinitely more important when we speak, speak about technology that everybody's definitely speaking about mm -hmm. today, which is the metaverse. We hear about how Facebook is going to implement this and other companies like Microsoft are going to implement similar um, technologies. Uh, we know that you're using 3D virtual spaces in terms of to, to increase productivity. Um, and obviously we can do amazing things with this technology, like uh, attending meetings where we don't physically have to be there, even going to university, you know, as university students in times of COVID. Well, first of all, I want to ask you, how uh, do these parameters, in your opinion, as an expert in the field, how are they enhanced uh, when we're speaking about the metaverse? Are they even more dangerous or more important when we're speaking about the metaverse or these virtual spaces that you're working in? Okay, in general, metaverse is, uh, is, is more scary than anything else because it's actually empower, it, it's not even, it, empower is an is a, is understatement. It, it actually takes the internet into the next level where your soul and mind and brain is, is in a virtual world, okay? Think about it, uh, when, when you put a VR uh, goggles on, on your face, in a way we disconnect your brain from the physical world and, and we can manipulate it. So you are now in a, in a new world that we can actually get more information about you. We can sense you with many other sensors. We can do exactly where you're looking at, what you're doing, what you like to do. So uh, the, the metaverse can be a very scary uh, place and you must be more and more responsible for everything you do. Otherwise, you, you can actually harm people uh, within the metaverse. I know for many of us, it's, it looks like hey, you're not serious, it's, it's just a virtual world. How can uh, somebody be harmed in, in, in this virtual world? But in fact, this is a very dangerous world that actually immediately affects your brain. So we need to be very careful. So all these, uh, we call it in Microsoft, the six principles for responsible AI will be implemented uh, uh, into the metaverse as, as well. Specifically in Microsoft, we, we use metaverse for the last four years. Uh, we came with uh, the HoloLens and, uh, and Microsoft Mesh. Uh, we use it uh, mainly for productivity, and this is our vision. Microsoft has a very solid vision, and, and I think very responsible one for how we going to build the metaverse, for what purpose, what we are going to do, and what we are not going to do. 
So we are very focused on the on the productivity world uh, to help people that uh, now are missing uh, a meeting because they are sick or uh, far away uh, to be uh, to participate in a meeting in, in the most natural uh, and effective way that can be. We these days we are less on the on this virtual world that uh, won't take you you know to fantasy, hang around, spend your money on the. Uh, Uh, on clothes, avatars, and stuff like this. So can you explain a bit more about the HoloLens, which we spoke about, uh, for our listeners who might not uh, know the details? Yeah, HoloLens is uh, is augmented reality uh, device. Augmented reality means that uh, you can actually see through uh, the glasses, wow. uh, but we augment uh, uh, your reality with holograms and, uh, and object. So this is HoloLens, uh, uh, many... Companies are using HoloLens these days for training, uh, for uh, designing. A lot of architectures are, are using HoloLens uh, when you plan uh, uh, manufacturers. Uh, these are also using uh, uh, HoloLens. So there are many uses for productivity uh, where you actually augmented your physical world with, uh, uh, with holograms. Uh, we do have the uh, VR glasses as well, and also we believe that uh, uh, the way to enter the metaverse or to merge between the physical world and the di- digital world can be using augmented reality glasses, VR glasses, but also with your tablet and, uh, and monitor, like the 2D, mm-hmm. the, the traditional 2D screen, uh, just to open the window for, uh, um, for this augmented reality uh, world. So this is what we do these days with uh, uh, with HoloLens. Everything right now is connected with what is called the Microsoft Mesh. Uh, this is the, the kind of the metaverse uh, world. Mm-hmm. Mesh actually uh, built by, uh, with or defined by four different areas. One is the presentation. Presentation area is like, uh, am I going to use my avatar? So the way I design my avatar, etc. I can use also holoporting, which means The camera can capture me as an hologram, uh, the nature me, not, uh, not any avatar. So I can choose how to participate the world by avatar, by hologram of myself, etc. Then we take play, we, uh, we work on the special world, uh, which is how to locate an object. If, uh, uh, let's say, me and you uh, both have a HoloLens or kind of a metaverse uh, device. If I leave an hologram on the table near me and you will step into the room, you will see the same hologram. So we must save each object in the kind of a GPS, like a physical location in the world. So everybody that comes into the room can actually see the same hologram when I place it. This is, this is the way we build the metaverse uh, using the Microsoft Mesh, which, by the way, is available to third-party developers. So anyone can actually use the Microsoft Mesh to create his own world uh, for his specific needs. The fact that you've been doing this for four years is, is amazing to me. You know, we, we're just starting to hear in big scale on the news about the metaverse and how it will advance and fa- how Facebook's developing. But you're saying that Microsoft has, has taken this, you know, a few steps further and have been doing it for four years, uh, which is A, amazing to hear. Um, B, we can only imagine how it will continue and develop in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of those ways that uh, some companies are uh, trying to develop and to take it one step further uh, is something called mind uploading. No, which would be the uploading of consciousness to an AI-based platform or cloud. And so there we would speak about not only you know, a virtual world where we would experience each other through avatars or through holograms, uh, but actually having our, our entire consciousness, our, our entire self, everything that makes us us, uploaded uh, to a platform. 
either you know to to preserve our knowledge or to uh, experience an artificial world through that mind uploading. What's your take on all this from your experience in these fields? Oh, big <laughs> um, question. Yeah, because th this is actually directly touch the 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 world of ethics and technology and responsibility and all this stuff because uh, you know there is a chapter in black mirror a very mm. famous one when uh, a, a woman uh, continued to communicate with uh, uh, her dead husband by the way like i think it was six months ago microsoft wrote a patent uh, submitted a patent where you can actually use your mind to continue and communicate is through bots or any other artificial intelligence, even if if you're dead. So we're already there. We're, we're close. Yeah. What what it means? It close uh, from AI perspective. When uh, when you work in labs uh, of the big companies and other companies, uh, you can really understand how how we can do all this mind uploading. Uh, and how you make uh, someone fall in love uh, uh, with a machine and stuff like all this scary stuff. Uh, but the distance between what you can do in lab with, you know, unlimited money, uh, from this stage to the stage that it becomes a commerce service, uh, there is a, a long way. But uh, you need to be very careful when you start dealing with this uh, world. Uh, and this is also raised uh, the main problem with uh, AI. In, in most cases, you know, I, I truly believe that most companies, when they design AI, they mean for good, okay? Uh, I, I really need AI, for example, to help you study better. And uh, I'll take your conscious uh, to support you uh, and uh, enable you to achieve more with your mind, okay? Stuff like this. You really mean to do good, but AI, you know, when the dark side actually, or the other, the opposite side takes the same AI, you can actually misuse it. Uh, so uh, being responsible and ethics means that uh, on one end, technically, you need to find ways to uh, block any attempt to use or misuse your uh, good technology. Uh, on the other end, you need to uh, create all this coalition, and this is something that Microsoft really believe in. It's it's not enough that Microsoft adapting like the responsible AI. Responsible AI must be adapted by all companies. Okay, it must be a standard uh, because you you can you cannot be alone in this uh, in this area because other companies that are not believing in responsible AI will come with kind of irresponsible AI that can be used by the dark side to uh, to harm people. If we're speaking about the dark side, you know, it sounds it sounds scary. It sounds like so menacing. What kind of um, dark situations could you see happening in this uh, uploaded mind sort of situation? Stealing your identity. Uh, if you think about the physical world, okay, one of the most scary things can, that can be done in the physical world that somebody will steal your biometric ID, okay, or passport. From time to time, we hear, we hear about people that uh, their identity was stolen in the in the physical world, and this become a, like a, a nightmare for them. Mm -hmm. Okay, like chasing somebody that stole your and, and can do everything on behalf of your name, or your financial uh, bank account uh, uh, are now broken, and uh, and formal documents and stuff like this. Now take this, amplify it by hundred. Okay, and and this is what can be done in in the. Uh, by the dark side in in the digital world. Let's say even now, you know, we have the digital identity uh, where we do everything. We do banking, e-commerce, social networking, etc. 
Now, when, when you speak about the future, digital entities that represent you multiple times and somebody now hack everything about you. It means that in the digital world that will become more and more major in your life and represent you more than in the physical world even, somebody will actually take over your personality. In this manner, you are, you are at this moment, you, you can actually become a dead man. In the, so it's, it's a worst nightmare. So everything that uh, uh, needs to be done in, uh, by AI, in general, by the way, uh, must be super secured. Privacy and security are becoming more and more important in this world. You know, some example from now. Take uh, autonomous cars, okay? Autonomous cars, it's very nice that we build more and more algorithms that make this autonomous driving even more accurate and more aware to the environment. But on the other end, we must take care for uh, security because a hacker can actually hack your car and, I don't know, drive you to the sea or uh, make your car kill someone. So security and privacy works together. And when you deal with privacy, technology and security, you must add ethics, legal and all these other issues. Definitely. As part of it. And, uh, and by the way, Satya is, is the CEO of Microsoft, if you don't know. Uh, he always said that uh, uh, we must think about responsible AI and trusted AI and ethics, uh, not as an innovation blocker. Uh, they must be coexist together. Because it's very easy to think, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing innovation, I'm running fast, I'm doing cool stuff, and then the people from ethics and legal come and try to avoid me from uh, releasing a version or testing a version or doing this kind of code or another. No, it's coexist with, uh, with each other. And if you really want to be able to release by the end of the day a responsible AI system that people will really benefit from and will not do any harm, you must be work together with ethics and legal all the way. If we want to stay on the technical side for a bit, and, and we'll go back to the ethical side and social side, definitely. Um, on the technical side, what do you think are the barriers today? Because we know, we, we know there are ethical barriers or, or social barriers that maybe we don't want to, to implement this technology all the way either. Uh, but on the technical side, uh, you guys already, you know, you have patents in the field, you're doing something similar in the lab. Um, what do you think are the biggest milestones that we still have to go through in order to reach this, uh, this end goal of ours? Like anything in AI, you must have data, a, a lot of data, mm -hmm. okay? So it's all about getting the data, collecting the data, and, and va validate it and, and make it a training set for this AI. Now, these days, we don't have enough data about your mind, okay? So if you think about brain science that keep search, researching the, uh, the mind and understand more about your mind and... Uh, we can build more sensors, sensors collect data. So over time, we, we will have enough data to train the AI system. Luckily, I think, today, we don't have enough data, we don't have enough sensor to sense your brain, and we probably don't know enough about all your brain uh, uh, points that uh, can, can be sensed. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's, it's a matter of uh, time, money, <laughs> and that's it. So I, I was going to say, hopefully we'll reach that point at some point, but we don't know if maybe hopefully is the wrong word. Maybe we need to stay away from that point. And maybe we don't want to collect enough data or don't want to research the brain uh, to its fullest. I, I don't think we can avoid it. Mm -hmm. and, and again, so it's, it's all about the responsible AI. Uh, 
uh, you will not be you cannot avoid uh, the technology the evolving technology or improving the technology and go to this area we, where we can actually sense more and more of your body and your brain collect the data and and make better AI but hopefully uh, the companies that actually deal with the or developing this AI will be responsible enough a for uh, you know to target this AI for uh, good reasons and be responsible enough uh, not to open it to the dark side. All right, so you've kind of steered us back to the, from the tech to the, yeah. to the social side, which is great because it's exactly my next question. Um, so we know that Microsoft is implementing responsible AI. We know that it strives for social responsibility, right? It's one of the main foundations of the company, you know, not only tech, but uh, advancing society as well. Fast, forward, fast forwarding to the future, to a world where mind uploading is possible, people can you know, upload their mind to a, to a system either to preserve it and to help people learn from it later on or actually to live in this artificial afterlife, per se. Um, sounds, sounds attractive, sounds nice, definitely sounds expensive. Um, you know, and we can, uh, we can speak about the same terms uh, for, for machine learning or artificial intelligence today. Uh, it's, not the, it's not the system for the average Joe. It might cost, you know, so-and-so dollars and not everyone can, uh, can afford it. Um, wouldn't this create a sort of inequality uh, for the average person? I don't agree with the statement that everything costs too much money mm -hmm. because over time there is a cost reduction on technology. It's always so. If, if you look, any technology starts from being a very expensive technology and then uh, it become you know, common or very commercial. So yes, at the beginning all these uh, uh, new technologies are, are super expensive and only rich people will be, will be able to do it like you know, like flying to the space these days. As time moves, everything becomes cheaper because cost production is, is almost a generic part of, of any technology. So, okay, I don't know, 10, 10 years, I don't want to predict. I, I'm not good at predicting, but 10 years, 20 years from now, which people will be able to upload their mind? 50 years from now, all, any, anyone will be able to do it. Uh, so you're not only an expert on artificial intelligence and, and uh, machine learning, and that whole field, but also have a rich business and investment background. This whole concept of mind uploading is very futuristic, very idealist. Um, doesn't sound very uh, down to earth, but on the other hand, so does other technology that, that we have today. Like you said, uh, space travel or AI at one point um, sounded very futuristic, very idealistic. Um, how would you uh, go on explaining to investors or to the public um, why uh, mind uploading um, is a good cause to invest in, is a good cause to promote, and maybe it, it will be similar to how people uh, promoted other causes, such as flights, such as you know, the internet, such as tra space travel. It's a tough question, you know. Personally, I, I must admit that I'm not sure I, I want, mm -hmm. you know, as a person, I want try to uh, get investors invest in these areas. Okay, definitely companies are investing in these areas, uh, governments probably invest in these areas, some governments. Uh, but again, you can always think about a, a good cause of having my mind, not mine, but let's say some, uh, some great people, geniuses, uh, leaders, uh, that you really want to preserve the mind and, and, and the application probably is kind of a consulting system. Uh, I'm not sure that people who want to uh, store their mind for the future really want to to keep it as a as a consultant to others mm -hmm. so sometimes you you may find a kind of a conflict of interest <laughs> between uh, between minds and the and the and the purpose uh, if you want to take it for good reason again 
consulting, preserve your knowledge uh, as, as a genius or something that really uh, contribute to uh, humanity. This is a good reason I can find right now. Uh, other will, will probably want to stay. I, I believe for some people this is uh, like the infinity existence of, of themselves, if you believe in it. Or maybe one day people really believe that uh, you know the physical body will be uh, replaced by Android uh, and uh, human Android, and uh, and they will be able to exist because you know the mind and soul will be kept again. And soul is is a very philosophic question in <laughs> this uh, in this aspect as well. All right, so I think that brings us uh, to our final question, um, which is big one. Um, would you, Adidi Amant? upload your mind to this platform? Personally, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, I definitely believe in, uh, in technology. Uh, I find it uh, very nice that uh, uh, technology and medicine know how to extend your life. So if in the past we used to live for 40 years, 70 years, we, we may live longer. Uh, but I think it's enough, you know. <laughs> you have to free space uh, on this earth for, uh, for young generation. Uh, so I, I don't have all these uh, uh, inspiration or expectation to to live more than uh, than I need to. But again, this is my only personal view. Uh, that's the view we want to hear. So Adi, first of all, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciated speaking with you, having uh, hearing what you have to say. Um, we definitely learned a lot uh, through the podcast today. Uh, I know our listeners did too. Uh, and hopefully we can see each other in the responsible, safe, protected metaverse. Thank you for listening to the ZMI podcast. A big thanks to Didi Amant for joining us today. This podcast was a collaboration with the Tzvi Meitar Institute and IDC Radio. I want to thank my co-producers, Jacob Freund and Hila Tavdi, as well as Inbar Carmel, Dov Greenbaum, and Yvonne Saba. My name is Guy Halevi. See you all in the metaverse. shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity 